The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. Going out about nine o'clock, the landowner saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you too, go into my vineyard and I will give you what is just. So they went off. And he went out again around noon and around three o'clock and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, the landowner found others standing around and said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you too, go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. So when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last ones worked one hour, only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the day's burden and the heat. He said to one of them in reply, My friend, I am not cheating you. Do you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus the last will be first, and the first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. Last weekend I remarked about my appreciation ever-increasing for the person of St. Peter, and it continues again today. Today's reading comes also in response to more words from Peter himself, this time in St. Matthew's Gospel, following after the passage, wherein Peter, looking at all the things that he has left behind, asks the question, Lord, we've left all of this stuff behind us, what do we get in return? What's our repayment? What's the wage that I'll get for working for you in so many ways? In response, our Lord gives us the parable of the landowner. The parable itself can be interpreted in a variety of ways. We can look at uh, several different things that we could kind of say, maybe those who start at the beginning of the day is this group and those who come at the end of the day is that group. We can look and say that it's, it's the Jewish people and the Christian people, those who had been laboring in the vineyard for the vineyard of salvation for centuries, for millennia, waiting for the coming of Christ. And then you've got these upstart Christians who can just hop on in right at the end and they all get the same, it seems. We can look also to those who were born, you know, born into the church by virtue of holy baptism as infants. And then look at those who receive holy baptism only later in life, very often much later in life, coming into the faith, receiving Christ by the washing of water. And we can see that there can be a, a sort of disparity between the two. One might be tempted to compare. 
or even not just in simply the timeline, but also in the manner of holiness itself. A person laboring in the vineyard under the burden of the day's heat, in a sense, could easily be viewed as one who has lived a life of holiness from the start, who never, who never, swayed, never swayed from Christ, never was away from Christ in the church, never was away from the sacraments, was always there, was always faithful, engaged in so many ways, and they ultimately can gain the same wage as someone who can live an entire life of licentiousness, enjoys in the, the pleasures of the flesh and the world, and then on their deathbed be received by Christ and his mercy, and again gain the same. And all of these things, one can look and seek to make comparisons. But for us as Christians, we recognize that always the wage is the same. The wage that all of us have agreed to, and which is actually far more than we ourselves deserve, is heavenly glory. And that's why it's the same. The wage in the end is simply heaven. It's not a matter of whether one deserves it more or not, whether one has earned it more or not, as much as we might like to think in so many ways. But it's to recognize that the mercy of God, the generousness of God, is such that even if a person comes in to work only one hour, when the sun's already going down and the day is pretty easy, and you may not even have to really break a sweat, and still the reward is the same. The usual daily wage, generously given, by the landowner. Sometimes when we think about heaven, we struggle with the reality of, of what is heaven? What is it like? I mean, we can ask a thousand questions and more. What do we look like in heaven? I mean, the Lord, we profess every Sunday in the creed, I, I believe in the resurrection of the body, and we're not talking just about Jesus. We're talking about our own bodies. We will have a body in heaven. What will I look like? Will I be eight, 18, 80? Will I be at the perfect age where I was perfectly content with myself? Will I, you know, well, how much hair will I have? What color will it be? You know, these are, these are vital questions for us, huh? At least in the worldly sense. We have so many questions about those things, but also just the reality of what do you do in heaven? Do you, you just stand there and worship God forever? Or, you know, is there... Is there game time? Is there like break time during something? You know, is there a halfway point at some? You know, and there's so many questions that, that can reasonably arise in our heart. And so the natural human thing is to, to take our, our human experience and project it real big into heavenly life. Whatever we enjoy here and now, we just make it really big and really awesome and it never stops in heaven. That's kind of our, our, our general experience, right? This is the best we can understand. And it is indeed kind of understandable. Because the scriptures themselves tell us that no eye is seen, no ear is heard, nor can we so much as even understand. We can't even imagine how incredible heaven is. And so it's sensible that we just take the best thing we know and amplify it. But the reality is heaven is not so much things as much as it is a person, an encounter. It's the encounter with God himself. And this is our true wage. God. For some, that might sound a little boring. And it's true. If you had told me 20 years ago that my eternal wage for being holy on earth would be God, I would have gone, cool, but not really been excited at the prospect. 
Because we can sometimes think that God is not exactly boring. And God not, he's not exactly exciting. He can seem kind of boring to us. You know. Our faith is not a, an entertainment show. We can go home and we can, we can watch movies that are much more exciting and exhilarating than what simply takes place here at Mass. According to our eyes, according to our normal senses, there are much more exciting things that happen elsewhere. And we can see that, or we can presume that heaven is kind of similar. It's good, but it's, you know, it's God. But the reality that we sometimes fail to understand is that God himself is the, is, is, is the thing that every good thing that we experience points toward. The greatest thing that you experience in this life, the thing that we would easily like to project into heaven large scale, that is a shadow of what God in his fullness actually is for us. It's a shadow. It's a thing that it's not even, you can't even touch it, you know. It's nothing and compared to the substance, the actual reality of the joy that awaits us. The greatest of things in this life are shadows in comparison to the reality of God himself in heaven. And this is why the Lord is encouraging Peter. Peter, don't worry about the wage. That, in the end, is not really the most important part. Don't worry about how much you're going to get or try to quantify things or to try to add things up. He says, you can be upset if you want about what you get versus what someone else gets. But in the end, you get more than what you deserve. And you get me. That's the most important piece. Peter, you will have me. I will be with you forever. And you will share in my joy. You will share in my life. You will share in in, in just the immensity of who I am. And this is why, again, the wage, not so important anymore. Our Lord trying to reorient Peter. If you're coming to ask for what your return is, what you're getting on your investment, what what your payback is, you're already missing the point because that's all extra stuff. The main thing is to be counted labor in the vineyard, to, to come into labor with the landowner. That's the true gift. And it says that the scriptures also try to reinforce for us today. In our first reading today, and we have the encouragement to seek the Lord while he may be found. To seek his face. Not to worry again about all the other stuff, but to seek him above all things. To seek him who fulfills us. And this is where we can start to understand and make sense of, of what St. Paul says in our second reading today. That thing that does not make sense to earthly ears, to worldly ears. Life is Christ and death is gain. Death is gain is not something the world can espouse. Because the world, if it lacks hope, death is the end, Period. There's nothing to, to delight in, in death. The natural, the natural thing is to fear death. And that's why we need the virtue of hope to instill hope within us, to not be afraid to pass through the veil. The worldly experience of death is not one that we would rejoice in, but St. Paul says, it's better for me if I die. I have Christ already. I have Christ. 
But death is even more. I get him in his fullness. And I get him forever. Without a, without a risk of possibly losing him on account of my sin. He is mine and I am his forever. Death is gain. This is something the world can't understand. It's for us not so much to look to the things of what we get, but rather who we receive. This is why one of the questions that sometimes is asked, I think is in similar, uh, a similar fashion to St. Peter. Sometimes the question is asked, why should I go to Mass? We've asked it pre-COVID, you know, but it's also been asked especially post-COVID or while COVID, whatever the term we like to use. The simple fact is there are plenty of opportunities where one can look on and watch the Mass on TV or watch the Mass on the Internet, and you can pick your favorite priest, and you can watch the favorite homily. You can fast forward through the boring parts maybe sometimes if it's recorded, right? You know? Why is it that I should actually go to Mass? In one word, Eucharist. The Eucharist is why we come to Mass. It's an absolute fact that, as has often been said, as the the stating point, I can speak to God anywhere I want. I can talk to God, and maybe I can feel God more out in the deer stand, out in the field, out on the river, out on the lake, at home in my prayer spot, wherever I happen to be, I can feel God in those places. Why do I have to come to Mass? And in so many ways, it's, it's the same as asking Peter, what do I get out of the deal? Lord, I showed up for Sunday Mass. What do I get out of the deal? To which the Lord says, that's not really the question you should be asking. That's not really the point. It's not so much what you get out of the deal. Rather, it's the encounter with the person that is the landowner. It's the encounter with Christ, especially in his Eucharist. And that's not something that happens anywhere else. Isaiah says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Sounds like a temporary thing, while he may be found. Sometimes he may not be found. Indeed, we know the Lord's always with us. But there are specific times where the Lord becomes present to us in a specific way. It is here. It is now. Because it is the Eucharist. And so as we come and offer this Holy Mass, it's an opportunity for us to come and to rejoice not so much in what we will get, because we will indeed be well taken care of by our Lord. The landowner is mindful of us, the laborers. But it's to recognize, above all things, that we get to meet Christ. We can seek him while he is found here in the Word and in the Eucharist. We can seek him and we can even receive him to commune with him, to be united with him for a few moments in the simple, small foretaste of what awaits us in the next life, our true wage, heavenly joy, union with God himself.